Let's look here in chapter 2 of Ephesians and verse number 1. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, well, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. And if it ended right there, this would be one of the saddest portions of scriptures in all the Word of God. But I'm glad it don't stop there. It says in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for allowing me to stand today and open the precious Word of God and preach. And I pray you'd help me now, and I pray, God, that you'd fill my spirit. Lord, you'd empty myself of any pride or anything, God, that wouldn't please you. And I pray now you'd use me in a way that would be a blessing to those that are here. And I pray, Father, if there's one amongst us today lost, I pray, God, the scales would fall off their eyes and, God, they'd see their lost condition. And I pray for those that are here that are saved, that, Lord, you'd encourage us by looking back to where we were and realizing where you brought us to. And Father, I just thank you again, Lord. I pray that none of us would let any of these words fall to the ground. But, Lord, we'd gather them up and we'd take them home with us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, as most of you know, I guess for the most part, I'm no scholar on English and grammar and languages of the English sort. In fact, I went to, when I was in college, I got a C in grammar and I got an A in Greek. That tells you, I mean, that's amazing. But anyhow, um, I didn't, anyway, I got to my first semester as at Bible college. They, 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 we had English and I said, I thought this was behind me. You know, prepositions, and I saw this is the dumbest thing. What's this got to do? But anyhow, I do know this. I know that word and is a conjunction. And, and, and here's the, am I right, Brother Drew? I'm right. So that connects chapter two. So when, we, when you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, when you read these, especially these epistles, these letters to the churches, it's good to realize that this was a letter, a letter, not five letters, not six letters, but one letter. And, and in order to understand the different parts of the letter, you can't separate it from the entire letter. You know, if I were to write my wife a letter like the old days, I love, I used to, boy, I could write some good ones, couldn't I, Kim? And this is before we had phones or anything. And if you were to take that letter I wrote her and take one line out of that letter, you could probably use it to, to, to attack her. I mean, there's no telling, you understand? 
You wouldn't understand the letter if you didn't have, if you took one phrase here and one phrase there, you can make it say whatever you want. And so as you go through the book of the Bible, it's good to understand this is one letter written by Paul. Now these divisions are here for a reason. They're not inspired despite what Rutmanites want you to believe. The chapters and the verses that was put in there after the Bible was finished. Paul did not write Ephesians and say chapter 1, chapter 2. That was written for us and for our benefit. And y'all thank God it was. Because it'd be hard if I said, all right, we're going to look in Ephesians this morning. And I want y'all to look at the 113th line. And everybody in there, can't, you know, it, it's, 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 it's beneficial. But I want you to know this is connected to chapter one. Now, follow me. I'm getting somewhere, and I'm going to get there. My, the, I taught the adult Sunday school, the senior Saints Sunday school class, and I was done at 1045, so I'm on, I'm, I'm on a roll this morning. I don't want to break it. But chapter one, we just finished. And in chapter one, the apostle Paul's riding to this church, and he's, he's causing them to look up and see all the blessings they have in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. In chapter number one, in fact, last week we preached on how he said that Jesus is far above all. And he's causing them to look up and see where Jesus is and, and to look up and see that all that they have in Jesus Christ. And he called in chapter one, it makes us to look up and to see our glorious position in Christ Jesus. I want you to know this morning, things may be bad down here, but things are wonderful up there. And he's telling them that they need to look up and see their glorious position in Christ. But in chapter number two, he causes us to look back and to see our past without him. He says, now that you've looked up, now listen, I want you to know this, we can't live in the past, Jeffrey. We can't live in the past, but we can look to the past. Yeah. It's been said that if you forget the past, you're doomed to repeat the past. And so now he's telling them, now in chapter 1, verse 23, he says, which is his body. What's his body? The church. That the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And in chapter number 2, he begins to tell us the parts, the people, the materials he uses to build his body. Now, if I was going to build you a house, and I don't advise that at all, amen, but let's say, Brother Aaron, you want Brother Aaron to build you a house, you wouldn't tell him to go over here, over there, um, what's that road where they, people dump all that scrap wood and stuff, where the trash dump used to be, you know what I'm talking about, over there, it's near where Brandy and them live, I can't remember, they just throw wood out there, and people, there's not near as much there these days, but used to, people just, throw, and everybody go by there and just pick what they want. If you want me or someone to build you a house, you're not going to say, hey, go over there and pick out whatever scrap you can find. It don't matter if it's got a little rod in it. It don't matter if it's been cut. I just want to get the, get the worst materials you can find. I want you to build my house with the worst possible material you can find. Nobody would say that. You'd probably say, I, well, I've got a budget, and I, I don't want to spend no more than this, but I want you to get the best sinks you can get, the best tile you can get, the best wood, the best carpet, the best uh, uh, drywall that you can get for me in, under this price. But here we find that when it comes to building his house, when it comes to put, building his body, he got the worst materials in the world and used them to build his body. 
I'm saying this, he says in chapter 2, and I want you to see this, and we're going to get into this. In verse 4, but God, but God. And this morning and tonight, so you can just, these 10 verses are probably some of the richest in all the New Testament, and, and I'd be a fool to try to unpack it all in 30 or 45 minutes. So we're just going to go ahead and at the front and say we're going to finish it tonight, so we ain't got to worry about that. But what we find here, we find in Ephesians 2, I want to preach on when God butts in. Amen. When God butts in. Have you ever had people that like to butt in? I mean, they butt in on everything. Amen, amen, amen. Have you ever had anybody that just, I mean, they always, uh, <laughs> they always come in and, and, and a lot of times certain people, they butt in at the worst times. You know what I mean? At that time when you really don't want them to butt in, they butt in. Have you ever had anybody butt in and when they butted in, they butted in, they didn't know what they was butting in about? They just butt in to butt in for the sake of butting in. But I'm glad when God butts in, he butts in at the right time. Amen. Oh, listen, Paul's telling, oh, this is how bad things were. You were a mess. You were dead in your sins. You were on your way to hell. But God, but God, God butted in. Amen. Oh, listen to me. That word but, you know what it means? It means that's not all. There's more to come. The Bible's filled with these. Genesis 6 the Bible talks about how the man's, the heart, and the imaginations of men were evil. And Jesus said men were marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking and having a good time. God said, I'm going to wipe out the world. I'm going to judge the world. I'm going to, I'm going to bring a flood on the world. And the, and the Bible said in Genesis 6 and verse 8, but Noah... But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Psalms 30 and verse 4 says, Weep and endure for a night. And it does. I mean, we've all had those nights where we cried bitter tears. We walked and paced the floors. We turned on our bed. We wrung our hands. We worried. But the Bible says, Weep and endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. Amen. There's more. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love towards us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 20, more the law entered that said, uh, that sin might abound. But here it is. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Paul said, but God, who is rich in mercy. In fact, Ephesians 2 and 1 through 10 is a biography of every believer. This is your biography. This is my biography. In fact, if you're all saved, listen, everyone that's saved, we've got the same testimony with different details. The illustrations might change. The examples might change. But the story is the same. He talks to them about where they were. He talks to them about what they had done. He talked to them about their past. And then he talked to them about where they were. And then he talked to them about where they're going. You know, when we testify, when we talk about Jesus, that's what we ought to talk to people about. Where we were, where we are, and where we're going. Amen. I want you to know that's something the world can't tell you. The world can't tell you where you were. They tell you you come from an, a monkey. They tell you you come from a tap. They tell you you come from a, a, a big explosion that happened billions of years ago. But my Bible tells me where I was and the Bible tells us where we are and the time Bible tells us where we're going. When God butts in. If God hadn't butted in in my life, I'd be in hell today. I believe that with all my heart. 
That's the story of every believer. They were living their life. They were doing what they wanted to do, going along the way. But one morning, one night, one day, whether it be at church or at home, maybe it was at a revival, at a, a Sunday school, Bible school, wherever it was, God, the God of heaven, He come down and butted into your life, amen, and changed your life and saved your life. And I'm glad God ain't stopped. He ain't stopped butting in. He's still butting in today. And maybe you're here and you're not saved. You're on your way to hell. He wants to butt into your life and change your life as well Amen. when God butts in. I'm glad I can tell you on December 31st, 1998 at Harmony Street Baptist Church on the right side of the church about five rows back, God butted into my life. He convicted me, showed me how lost I was, brought me to a place of faith and repentance, saved my never-dying soul, and he changed me that night more than I even understood. I didn't even understand what happened that night, but what a wonderful thing it is when God butts in. Look in verse 1. I want you to see this. Sinners are described in these first three verses, and we see our past guilt. Did you know this morning, without bad news, there's no good news? Without bad news, there's no good news. And the only thing, what makes the good news so good is because the bad news is so bad. That's a part of the gospel that people fail to mention. That's a part of the gospel that preachers don't want to preach about. That's a part of the gospel. But I want you to know, a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, they cannot repent of sin if they don't know of sin, if they're not made aware of sin, if they're not convicted of sin. And that's what he talks in verses 1 through 3. He tells us the bad, bad news. I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter if you was born in church, raised in church, drugged to church, drug out. It does not matter. You had the same past as every single person born. You had the same past. You had the same dreadful past that we all had. Notice this in verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Sinners are described. We see our past. We see how we were dead. In our sins. Now you say, Brother Martin, I've been in church. I know all this. Well, you just you just tune out right now and, and think about something else. I mean, you can't think about baseball because my Braves won the World Series. Amen. Some of y'all, I ain't going to call no names, Brother Kevin. We're texting me and, oh, what happened? And uh, what happened on Sunday night? Well, guess what happened? We won it all. Amen. And we've been chopping ever since. And the Bulldogs won. Kentucky lost. I know some of y'all are mad. Brother Hunter's real happy about that. Let's just get all that out of the way. Maybe you know this, but I want to tell you something. It doesn't hurt us to really remember that there was a day, there was a time, there was a place in our life when we were dead in our sins. We were dead, uh, unconscious. Out of, uh, you know what graveyards are? Graveyards are scary. They are. I mean it. I coon hunt. And there's graveyards all over this country. I mean, places you wouldn't even imagine. I want to tell you something. I walk through them, I get around them, I get through them, I get past them. I just don't like hanging. Graveyards are scary. Graveyards, they're silence. It's real quiet in the graveyard. Graveyards, not only that, they're sadness. They're sadness. Amen? Some of the saddest experiences of people's lives happen in a graveyard. So they say goodbye to mom or dad or brother or sister or son or daughter. 
and they and they they say farewell, it's a place of sadness. Not only that, it's a place of separation. A graveyard is a place of ending and not beginning. And that's where we were. Uh, we were dead in our sins. We were dead towards God. You say, but Brother Martin, I was alive. You might have been alive towards the world, but you were dead to God. And the reason you were dead to God is because of your trespasses and sins. And listen to me, it doesn't matter how alive in the world you are if you're dead unto God. Do you know what happens when you get saved? You die to the world and you live towards God. Amen. The, the coin's been flipped. Uh, the tide's been turned. Uh, listen, we're on the opposite side now. We're crucified to the world. And the world is a cru- crucified on us. But the life that we now live, uh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us again. But Paul said, you were dead. Death in the Bible isn't necessarily meaning separation of soul from body. It's the separation of the soul from God. God told Adam, if you eat of it, you'll die. But you say, Adam lived several hundred years. His body did. But the moment, listen to me, the moment he sinned, his spirit died immediately. And Jesus moved out. Thou says about Jesus, in him was life. John chapter 1, in him, was, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. When God made man in his own image, when God created Adam, he dwelt within Adam as he intended to dwell. But when Adam sinned, when Adam uh, 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 transgressed the word of God, when Adam uh, broke the law of God, uh, the spirit of Adam died immediately. The soul of Adam died progressively and the body of Adam died ultimately. See, a lost person right now, your spirit's dead. Your soul is dying. And your body one day will be dead. That's how it goes. Adam, Adam died spiritually when he ate the fruit. In the, in, the old, in the New Testament, we find that Jesus raised three from the dead. We got Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nain, her son, and Lazarus. Now think about this. I'm going somewhere. We were dead. I've told y'all this before, but you know that little boy, his mom was making chicken and dumplings and she went outside and began to wring them chickens' necks and she come inside to get the pot of water boiling and the little boy looked outside the window and that, little, that chicken was running around with his head cut off and the little boy said, Mama, he's dead and he don't even know it. That's why I, I thank God for Brother Larry laughing at my jokes every time. Hey, I love you, Brother Larry. The truth of the matter is, the lost, we were dead and we didn't even know it. Dead in sins. Jairus' daughter was 12 years old and she had just died. Her body was still warm. And Jesus walked in and, and, and I know what he said, Tatha Kuma and Bush's bedroom, my daughter arrived. But basically what he said, he said, honey, wake up. You go in there to wake your kids up. Now they don't wake up like... I'm, but for sermon's sake, let's just pretend they normally ginger's like, ah, anyway. But let's just pretend for a little while that you walk in there and say, honey, get up. And what? They get up and they stretch off. That's what happened. 
Jesus said, Tabitha Kumai would spend her daughter rise, and she arose. She, she arose. She got up. Life filled her heart, and she walked out. She sat down and ate. I mean, and she was alive. Now, the widow of Nain, her son, had been dead. He wasn't 12, but he wasn't, he wasn't a grown man. He was somewhere in between. And, and he, you say, how do you know he'd been dead? Because they're on the way to bury him. They're on the way to bury him. They, he, they was having a funeral possession. They're going towards the graveyard. And Jesus walked by. He touched that casket. That young man come out, and he was alive. Amen. If you had a funeral going on, you didn't want to invite Jesus because when he showed up, the funeral was over. Amen. And then Lazarus was dead for four days. As far as we know, Lazarus was an older man. Four days and corruption had already set in. He was stinking in there. And Jesus walked up to that grave and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. And the next chapter, you find him sitting at the table with Jesus. Amen. Feasting with him and fellowshipping with him. And so I'm saying all that to say this. You've got the Jairus' daughter. You've got the, the son of the widow of Nain. You've got Lazarus. Which one of them three were actually dead? All three of them. So, if you're lost, you're dead. Now, when we think about lost, we think about this hardened, cold, vile, evil person that's been in sin for years and years and years. And I mean, listen, they're, they're just corrupt and they're, they're twisted and they, and they commit crimes. And, but I want you to know, dead is dead. A child... Even a child, as precious as they may be and as sweet as they may, may be, once they reach that age of accountability and that understanding of sin, they're just as spiritually dead as that criminal is. Dead's dead. Not only that, look in verse 2. I'm talking about where we were. Wearing in times past, there it is, looking back, you walked. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Not only were we dead, but we were deceived. You see, a sinner has freedom to do what they want. A sinner can do what they want, but they cannot do what they ought. They're bound by sin. And, and, and the Bible says here that they walk, we walked according to the course, the pattern of the world. What that means is we followed the, the path that others followed. We, we walked on the same course. We followed the same road. We went down the same track. We acted as other men acted. We did as other men did. We lived as other people lived. And he said, not only according to he said, but, but the, the spirit, he said, but according to the prince of the power of the air. We were deceived by Satan. Blinded by the God of this world. Walking according to the course of this world. Headed the wrong way. I'm saying we were deceived. I mean, listen, how many of you, before you got saved, you thought you were okay? You thought you were all right? 
You thought you were good enough. You thought you were trying hard enough. You thought, but in, in reality, you may have thought that, but the truth of the matter is you weren't doing what you wanted to do. You weren't going the way you wanted to go. You were falling after the course of this world, this age, the spirit of this age. And listen to me today. That spirit is alive and well. The spirit of this age is alive and well. And it's got many avenues that it puts on the people's lives. And it lays its hands on the lives of people. And it drags them down and drags them down and drags them down. That's where we were. That's where we were. We were deceived. This world's been deceived by the power, prince of the power of the air. This world's been deceived by the course of this world. They don't see where it's going. They don't see where it's headed. They don't see. All they think about is right now. Everybody's living for right now. What makes me feel good right now? What makes me happy right now? What makes me, uh, get, what do I want today? There's no thought of tomorrow. The devil does not want anybody to think about where that course ends up. Deceived. Verse 2, he says, The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We were disobedient. This means we were the offspring of sin. Where did we get our sin nature from? Adam. We were disobedient. The first inclinations we had in this world were to disobey God. Now, I understand there's some that take this further than the Bible takes, and I'm not going to do that, but I ain't going to come short neither. We were not only deceived, we were disobedient. We were born sinners. You're a sinner by nature and you're a sinner by choice. Did you know that we don't teach our kids to lie? We teach them not to lie. We don't teach them to steal. I hope you don't. If you are, you're a sorry mama, dad. I'm just going to tell you. <coughs> we teach them not to steal. But did you know, a court, and I'm going to read it for this sake of time. I, I was studying this and I, I stumbled on this verse. Psalms 58.3, listen to this. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. Speaking lies. This might hurt some of these grandmas and grandpas' feelings because I know them grandchildren, ain't, they're, they're perfect, you know. Let me bust your bubble. A baby lies before it can ever speak. You say, what do you mean? That little old fat sucker sitting there got everything it could want. I mean, it ain't even got to change itself. It ain't even got to, I mean, bathe itself. It's got everything it can want. Eat and sleep. That's its dude. That's all it's got to do. I mean, like a lot of these no counts in our society today, full grown, that's all they do. Eat and sleep and draw. But anyhow, That baby lays there. It's been fed. It's been cleaned. It's been powdered. It's been everything. Pacified everything. And what does it do? Ah! Ah! You think, now you think, now the first child, what do you do? You jump up and run in there and oh, we, we check her temperature. Oh, is she okay? And, and, and then you pick them up. You pick her up and what does she do? 
There wasn't nothing wrong with the baby. You know what, what she was doing? She was lying to get what she wanted. Now, that's humorous, but it's also sad because that's what we were. We were disobedient. We were disobedient. That's why this, this ideology, this, this teaching that you got to do better, 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 do more, do more, do more. Uh, straighten up, pull yourself up, uh, straighten yourself out. You cannot straighten yourself out if you're lost. You can't straighten yourself out. I don't care how hard you try to hammer it, how hot you try to heat up that steel. It's warped. It's twisted. It's rare. It's no count. Listen, he said we were, by, we were children of disobedience. That's who we were. Verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation in times past. That word conversation means lifestyle, manner of life. In times past, he says it again, in times past, in times past, I'm not talking about where we are, I'm talking about where we were. I can remember, I grew up in church, like y'all know that well, y'all know my testimony probably as good as I know it myself, but the truth of the matter is, I was a troublemaker, I was always, and I tried to do good, I would, oh, I try my best, I'm not going to get in trouble today, I'm not going to get in trouble today, but oh, the opportunities would come. I was like these women on Black Friday. It's like one of them sales. Buy one, get one. You know they're going to raise them prices up before Black Friday. Just anyhow. But that's the way I was. I can remember trying my hardest, brother Justin, to do right. I mean, I tried my hardest. I mean, I'd say I'm not going to get in trouble at school today. I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to talk back. I'm not going to sass. I'm not going to make fun. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to throw anything. I'm not going to break anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to lock any teachers. I'm, I'm going to do everything right. And before the day was over, I'd say, oh, I did it again. You want to know why that was? Because that was my nature. That was my nature. Old song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it in thy course above. Don't you know this morning, left to ourselves, that's all we are. Amen. Left to ourselves, that's all we are. And so when we want to cast a scornful eye and point a judgmental finger at somebody who's living a certain way and we say, why don't they just get it right? Why don't they just straighten up? Why don't they just quit? Why don't, don't you know if they've not tasted the grace of God, if they've not experienced the life-changing power of the blood of Jesus Christ, that's who they are. That's what they are. And if it wasn't for God butting in, that's what we'd still be. Disobedient. Defiled. Verse 3. We're only going through verse 3. Y'all cheer up. We were defiled. He says this. Fulfilling the desires. or He says in, in the lust of the flesh. Our flesh. Fulfilling the desires. The flesh and the mind. We were defiled. We followed our natural desires. These natural desires that 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 urged and, and, and seduced us led to our spiritual defilement. He said that we did according to the lusts of our flesh, the desires of our flesh, the wants of our flesh, the 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 the, the commands of our flesh. That's where we were uh, before we met the Lord, uh, driven by our desires, abandoned uh, by our carnal appetites 
saying, listen this morning. Uh, uh, thank God there's freedom in Jesus Christ. The world thinks we're slaves and we're in bondage, but they have no idea what they're talking about. I'm free this morning because one day Jesus butted in. And he changed my desires. He changed my desires. But before I was saved, I was defiled because of those evil things within my heart. Verse 3, we're done. This is the worst of it all. I hate to end like this. Maybe I'll tell y'all something happy before we leave. But, like I said, without bad news, there ain't no good news. Verse 3, he says, We're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were dead. We were deceived. We were disobedient. We were defiled. But we were damned. All this that's going on in these three verses did not go unnoticed by God. These acts that we've read and he described about our trespasses, our sins, our walk and our, and our disobedience and our lustly uh, lifestyle are fulfilling all, all of that stirred up the wrath of God. There are a lot of people who don't preach this anymore, but the Bible teaches us that God's not only a God of love, but it's a God of judgment, a God of justice. He's a God of wrath, and He's a holy God. He is a holy God, and He cannot look upon sin. He cannot leave sin undone. And Paul said this, we, uh, we, and by the way, Paul was a Jewish man, man writing to a Gentile congregation. And he said, we. So don't think your racial status or your, your, your religious status is going to exempt you. He said we were under and we were, he said we were damned by the wrath of God. John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There's a misunderstanding, a misconception that people think that if they get, that, that if they're lost, that they're going to be they're going to be condemned. They're going to be, but you, if you're lost, you already are condemned. You ever heard people testify? Maybe I mean many of you can testify this when you got saved. Somebody, I believe Miss Karen was talking to me about when she got saved, and she talked about how it just felt like it just felt like something was lifted off of you. You know what that was? The wrath of God. Amen. Can you remember that guilty feeling, that condemned, that where you knew, when you knew you were on your way to hell, you knew you were lost without Jesus. But when you trusted Him, when you called on Him, when you believed in Him, that wrath was gone, that burden was gone. But if you're lost, and, and, you, and if you're lost this morning, you're damned because of your sins. John 3.18 He that believeth on him is not condemned. Amen. You say, Brother Martin, am I saved? Have you believed on him? Have you believed on him? If you believed on him, you're not condemned. Amen. You're not condemned. The devil, now, now you may think preachers are exempt of this, but we're not. The devil makes us doubt too. Them things he tells you, he tells me. 
And Brother Jason, there, Justin, there's many times I've prayed and said, Lord, I know I'm saved. I know with all my heart I trusted you as my Lord and Savior. I six here. I know without a doubt you changed my life. I know there's been evidence. You've you've chastised me since then. I mean, you've laid, I've been in. I've, I've met. I've, you've you've dealt with me. And not only that, I've I've experienced your your presence in my life. I know you're here. But Lord, I just want to just to clarify so the devil can hear this. I trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm trusting in His shed blood. I believe He died for me and He arose the third day for me. And I'm trusting Him and Him alone. And if I do go to hell, it'll be because He didn't save me when I asked Him to. And the old devil, he just gets gone. But listen, the Bible says, he that believeth is not condemned. But, 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 but the Bible says, but he that believeth not is condemned already. See, it's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Here's where we were now. You know where we were? We were that close to hellfire. Jonathan Edwards had that, I mean, I mean, uh, one of the greatest sermons ever penned ever. I mean, one of the most famous sermons there's ever been. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. If you've never read that, in fact, he stood in front of the congregation and read it off a of paper. And people got under such conviction, they fell in their seat and got saved. They, I mean, it started a, a great awakening in America. I mean, it was a, a powerful. But in that, you can read that in that sermon. He talks about how sinners are hanging over hell by the webs of God's good grace. And he says at any moment those webs can be severed and drop into eternal fire. And did you know that's where we were? You ever heard that saying, hanging by a thread? We were hanging by a thread. That's all it was. But you know what that thread, thread was? It was the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God. And he said we were damned. Salvation is more than just forgiveness of sins. I'm not downplaying forgiveness of sins, but a lot of times... We talk about, but, but you know, I said that about a dead man. You can forgive a dead man, he'll still be dead. It's more than just that. The wrath of God filled our horizons. A thrice holy God stood with his sword of wrath thrown, ready to lay into our depraved and defiled souls. Hail was our destiny. But God butted in. Over in Europe... I've never been there. Brother Ben Dirt, we went eight last night, and he asked me how many countries I've been. I said, let me think here, I have one. <laughs> we, me and Brother Jared, now Brother Jared loves to travel. That's him, he's got a pilgrim soul, not me. That's not me, that's not my spirit. And uh, <laughs> Brother Ben Dirt said, have you tried Indian food? And I was going to say, I, I, I didn't, you know, there's a kind of a little bit of a language barrier there. You know, I didn't want them to take it the wrong way. I was going to say, yeah, I eat at the, the, the Marathon gas station all the time. They fix them pizzas. But, but I didn't want to tell them, Brother Jared, but you couldn't pay me to eat that food. I mean, it, I mean, you just can't, you couldn't, there's not enough. And, and it, where am I going? Oh, anyway, I ain't been many places. So I ain't been where this is at, but they tell me in Europe you know, they got those Rocky Mountains and all. They said that there's a place they call the Great Gulf. And the reason they call that, uh, Brother Justin, they said there's two mountains that come together and they're about 30 or 40 feet apart right there at the top. And they said that the animals, the, 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 the deers and the things like that, 
that that the, the predators will get out get after them, the, the lepers, the lion, things like that, will get to chase them, the hunters, even when they run them, they, they say hunters that run foxes and things like that with hounds, that that I, I, I use things like that twice in one. That's pretty good. But anyhow, things like that. They 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 said that they'll be running them deer or running them foxes or running them coyotes or whatever they're chasing after. And they said that them them coyotes and them deer uh, uh, that they'll run and they'll leap and they'll fall. They said, Brother Justin, that's just close enough to make them think they can make it. But they said they never make it. And I want you to know that between us and God was a gulf. And you know, you know what's going on every day? People are leaping off that goal, think they can make it. They think they can be good enough. They think they can go to church enough. They think they can read their Bible enough. They think they can uh, give enough money away. They think they can help the sick and feed the hungry and, and, and do all these things and it's going to get them there and it's going to make them there. But the Bible says we were children of wrath and every person that leaves this world without Jesus Christ, they fall short of the glory of God. That's where we were.